I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up So I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like Who do you think you are? All right, everybody, another day, another dollar Another one of my favorite episodes Yes, I'm biased, it's my own podcast What if it did work? I'm honored, I'm always honored to have a fellow Latino, a fellow Hispanic American on. And I've had him on my show, well, my Instagram live show, The Business Rumble, Hector Colon. Hector Colon is the president and CEO of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. Under his visionary and servant leadership approach, Colon adapted new models and business strategies to increase impact and viability, resulting in a multi-million dollar financial turnaround. Hector is the USA Boxing Board Vice President, serves on the University of Wisconsin Board of Regents, and on the Board of Directors for M3 Insurance and Nicolette Bank Shares, Inc., Wow, man, that's <laughs> it. We could go on and on, brother. But oh, and and also more importantly, man, you're a seven-time national boxing champion, and you also authored. You're a writer of your first book, man. My journey from boxing ring to boardroom: five essential virtues for life and leadership in 2021. How's it going, brother? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on my show. And how are you doing? I like what I tell everybody, man. I'm living the dream. I'm alive. I'm healthy. My daughters are alive and healthy. My mom. So everything else is figure outable. It's nice to see you and see you keeping busy on Instagram and then and your podcast. So it seems like you're doing great and inspiring uh, lots of people with some great guests that you have on on your well, show. You're, you're a great guest, man. Don't don't be so humble, brother. You you boxed. You're at the pinnacle. You're a man in service. You're helping out others. You're living your life in service. Man, talk talk to us all about the journey, man. How how I know you're Puerto Rican because we spoke, and also put yeah. on is, is like saying, yeah, it's it's like saying Smith when it comes yeah. to Puerto Ricans. So yeah, yeah. man. How to, tell us a little bit of the origins, the Hector. Yeah, story. so both of my parents are from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in Milwaukee. Both my parents came here, got married. I was born. My sister was born here as well. Uh, but my journey to the box to boxing was I was bullied as a young boy when I was nine years old. I came home with a bloody nose, blood on my face and on my white shirt. And I saw my father as I got in the house and he said, Get the paso, what happened? I told him what happened. He said that he wanted to take me to the gym so that I could learn how to defend myself. And I remember going to the gym, was intimidated. I saw all these big guys pounding on the heavy bag and I didn't want to be there. But then I recall my, my, my father introducing me to Shorty, who's the boxer, who's the boxing coach there, who I think is a giant in the community. He's a giant in my life. He put me in front of the mirror and started showing me some boxing combinations. And quickly, he told my father, your son is a champion. He's going to become a champ. He, your son is a natural. He's going to become a champion. And I'll never forget those words. It really boosted my self-esteem and and helped me be the person I am today. Now, I'm assuming you were bullied because Wisconsin's not really a hotbed for Latinos. That was right. I, the The person... We'll call him Adam. You know, he said called me a spick, the N-word. 
and told me to get out of the neighborhood. So we were one of a few at the time uh, in that neighborhood, and he didn't want people with the color of my skin there. Man, He's, is he still alive? You know, I haven't seen him since I was 15 years old. I did beat him up a couple of times after I learned how to box. But, you know, if I saw him today, um, I would hug him and I would tell him I love him. Because if it wasn't for Adam, for me uh, being bullied, that took me to the boxing ring and gave me all of those experiences. I don't know where I'd be today. You know, maybe I could have been addicted to drugs and like my sister or dead like my cousin due to drug overdose or dead or in jail like many of my friends that I grew up with. You know, I had a rough, you know, very humble beginning when my mother and father got a divorce when I was 12. My father moved to Puerto Rico, back to Puerto Rico, no money, no calls, just gone. Sister was addicted to drugs, core current mental illness, friends and cousins were dying. My mom was working two and sometimes three jobs. Sometimes I was just home alone, just trying to figure out, figure it out. And as a result of that and other factors, I have an A score of six. A stands for adverse early childhood trauma effects with an A score of six would indicate that I would have a thousand 200% likelihood of having depression or a 200% likelihood of committing suicide. So, but, but, but Adam saved my life because boxing gave me the structure, the dedication, determination, and discipline to be successful, not only in the boxing ring, but now in life and leadership and in the boardroom. Now, Hector, I I believe in this, I've, I've heard it multiple times from Ed Milet and from other people, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Yes. And look at that, man. I mean, talk about, you could have easily just gotten whooped. Although, you know, at the time, Puerto Ricans in boxing, Hector Macho Camacho was was like winning. So I'm sure your parents were looking up to him and looking up to some of the other boxing legends. But yeah, man, that's an amazing story because... Talk about adversity because, you know, the statistics, you know, we're about the similar age. You know, I'm I'm come, I'm a product of a single parent that you and I, we should be in jail, a high school dropout, drug addict, uh, murderers, et cetera. But, you know, th- those are st- statistics. And the reason why there's statistics there is so you can prove the statistics wrong, man. There's you did that, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. And. Again, I, I really credit boxing, Shorty, you know, who that coach who was there for me. I learned so many virtues and, and, and I wrote a book, The Virtues of Courage, Humility, Temperance, Magnanimity, and Perseverance. Those virtues I learned in the boxing ring and helped propel me to the boardroom. Well, it, it also got you off the streets because... To be a boxer, you have to be completely disciplined, right? You you had oh. no time for shenanigans. You had no time uh, for other you know stuff that that could get you in trouble. You you were you and Shorty were completely focused on creating a champion. Absolutely, and and you have to have daily habits, daily rituals, daily routines. It's that virtue of magnanimity of striving for greatness that I learned in boxing. So 
I was waking up every morning. Didn't matter, below zero degrees, snow, I'm out there running. And I would talk to myself. I say, I would tell me myself, my fiercest competitor, Vernon Forrest, who lived in Atlanta, Georgia, he's not running in the snow or, or in this cold. And then I would work out in the afternoons, lifting weights, work out in the evenings, in the gym, go to sleep early, wake up early, eat right when my friends are having, you know, drinking beer and eating pizza, viewing tapes of some of the greatest who have ever graced the ring. I was doing everything a boxer needed to do in order to become a champion. And I didn't have time for anything else. So that that was my focus. Now, how far did, did boxing take you or how far did you take boxing? Yeah. So I would, at 19 years old, I was favored to go to the Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. And I was so excited. I was 19 years old. I was anticipating winning that gold medal and signing that multi-million dollar contract. And for the most important opportunity in my life, I was not focused, mind, body, and spirit. I was distracted as a young kid. And I got into the ring and I lost. I was absolutely devastated. I was no longer going to win that gold medal. I wasn't hearing from those big-time promoters about the multi-million dollar contract. And I was hurting and I was searching. And on December 27, 1992, I went to Holy Hill to church here in Wisconsin. I bought my first Bible and I gave my life to Christ. I continued to box. And six months later, the guy that robbed me of my Olympic dreams, we fight again. This time it was for the U.S. National Welterweight title. And I knocked him out in about a minute and 30 seconds of the first round. And then the promoters came back and they wanted to talk, but I put it through a year of prayer and discernment, and I felt a strong calling away from the sport. It was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. Something I worked so hard for was literally at the tip of my finger. Just to share with you how far I went, I don't know if you ever heard of Vernon Forrest. He became a four-time world champion. I beat him twice. Jose Antonio Rivera became a three-time world champion. I beat him by TKO. I fought with Rinky White, right? David Reed, some of the best to have ever graced the ring. So I was in the mix with, with, with all of those guys, but I gave it up when I wasn't even at my prime. And I'm very thankful I gave it up. I think it was a great decision. I'm telling you, I'm on this text messages, text message um, with a bunch of boxers from my era, many of them former world champions. And it's really sad. Many of them multimillionaires, and most, if not all of them, have dementia, uh, broken families. They're broke and just really tough, really tough and unfortunate situations. So I feel blessed to that what I learned in boxing and how I've used that and those virtues I mentioned to, to help me with my life and leadership. Now, do you think? Being reborn, giving your life up to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is what puts you on a different path? Or do you feel like if you you didn't go to that church, if you didn't accept Christ, you would have been you would have followed the same path as all the other guys you mentioned? That's absolutely true. I would have it's it's really my my conversion um, that led me away from the sport of boxing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about how we're temples of the Holy Spirit. What we do to ourselves, we do unto God. And I imagine 
a temple of the Holy Spirit. I know what boxing is. I'm going into that ring to knock the guy out, to hurt the guy before I get hurt myself. And it's inevitable in the sport of boxing, you're going to get hurt because the brain is not supposed to be hit like that. And over the years, will have an impact on you. So that's kind of what convicted me. And it took me a while, like I said, a prayer and discernment because I was really talented in the sport of boxing. Look at Vernon Forrest. I could have likely been a world champion at the welterweight division, just like him and just like Jose Antonio Rivera. But that wasn't your path. You, you could have gone on to that path and you could have had dementia. You could have had all the brain injuries. You could have gone broke. You, you could have been dead. You could have been, you know, you could have lost your life to, to fame, drugs, money, all the vices that so many athletes, so many boxers, because you know, they, they don't understand that longevity is not, you know, that. And like what you said, the human body is not designed to get to get pounded on like that. Yeah, it's a very dangerous story. I just learned the other day that about 13 boxers die on an annual basis and and many others get get injured or severely injured. It's a dangerous sport, but again, it's a sport that helped me be who I am today. It's a sport that lifts a lot of people out of poverty and gives a lot of kids from the inner city hope. There's there's a lot of positives to it, but taking it serious from a career perspective, it's just it's just pretty hard. Now, Hector, was there any any time before all this, you know, the CTE and was there a time like you would just wake up and have like any regret? And, man, I maybe I did the wrong choice or no, oh. you know, you made the right choice from the beginning. I know I made the right choice always, but there was always that pinch in my heart of what could have been. I have boxing in my blood, so many times I'd want to come back, but I kept putting it through prayer and discernment and always felt that that wasn't the right path for me and that my path right now is is much better. And and I'm blessed. I feel very blessed. And I've got a great wife. I got great children. I've had a great career, been very successful and happy. Did you win your last box boxing match? So my very last one. So my second to last one was the one I knocked him out. Mm-hmm. That was Jesse Brasino. My very last one was David Reed. And David Reed, I lost a very close decision. But prior to getting into the ring with David Reed, my mindset wasn't there. I was thinking already, uh, why am I doing this? Should I be doing this? So my mindset was was all wrong. I lost a close decision to him. He went on to win the gold medal in 1996, the Olympics. He went on to become a world champion with just 12 fights. And he told me not too long ago, he was so afraid to fight me and he never wanted to fight me again. So deep respect for him. He's an amazing athlete leader, uh, but he's not doing very well right now, mentally, as well as financially. Lord, there you go. Jesus Christ had a different path for you, brother. And, you know, right path, because not only happily married with children, but are in service and you're helping out fellow people that are down on their luck in Milwaukee. 
That's right. Yep. I feel I feel blessed to where the Lord has guided me. You know, I have always felt that my my coach Shorty, he was such a humble servant leader. That virtual humility of thinking of other more thinking of others more than yourself. I learned that through Shorty. I mean, he would spend his nights with me, sacrifice his weekends for me so he can go to my fights, his vacations. He took me into his own home when I was 16 years old, where he loved me and fed me and made sure I could be a champion both in and out of the ring. And he was, it was a strong focus to make sure you are a champion out of the ring because he knew that not everybody, not every boxer was going to be a champion in the ring. So he was a great role model. He taught me what humble servant leadership meant. And I gravitate towards that style of leadership right now in, in as the CEO of Lutheran Social Services. We're going to get to that, but just one more question. Was, was there any blowback from your parents, from Shorty? Like, what are you yeah. doing? Why? Friends? Some people must have been like, Hector, come on. Yeah. You had the golden ticket. What are you doing? All of that. So first, my coach, Shorty, um, I remember going to the gym in the locker room, sharing with him that I wasn't going to do this anymore. I couldn't stop the crying. As I was telling him, I'm getting a little emotional even thinking about it right now. But he didn't understand it, and he was upset. So we have this really nice poster in the gym of me knocking this guy out, and my coach was, Shorty was lifting me up. You could see the guy on the floor and the referee looking at the guy. It was a really nice picture. And as I left, I heard him crumple that up and throw it in the garbage. And so... Here's a man, he's like a second father to me, and he was really hurt, and I was hurt that the way he reacted, but I love him so much. In hindsight, he thinks that my decision was a great decision. We're very close, and he's very happy with what I've been able to do with my life. My mom, you know, she wasn't too crazy about boxing in the beginning. But then she saw me doing so good. I would tell her, I'm going to buy her. She's going to be set and not have to worry about anything. And when I gave it up, she was shocked. At first, she was like, I don't understand. You're so good. And similarly with my friends, they were like, what are you going to do? I mean, there's not many people at the age of 19, 20 years old with the potential to become a professional boxer and have a lucrative contract like 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 you you are being offered that would just give that up and what are you going to do as if i couldn't do anything else um so yeah there was a lot of that a lot of people in the community were were hurt and including myself it wasn't an easy decision but hector you know what it goes to show you that if people really love you they'll accept it because all they want to do is see you happy and you were happy yeah. And that's why you still have a relationship with Shorty. And he had no, he, he really had, he was hurt because it was a shock. But he, even if, let, let's say, all these people were wealthy, he'd still love you because you're happy. And you yeah. see, happily married with kids, your life would be completely different. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and uh, most of those friends, they, they, I mean, they're still my friends. My mom loves me so much. Everybody's, Everybody is really happy now with the decision I made. 
actually, there's probably still some that, that are not, but most of them are, and they understand that I made the right decision. They see me doing really well and very happy for me. You did because look at all the lives that you're you're changing, man. That you're helping, that you're you're inspiring. So many people it, it, in the UP who gets up. I've I've I learned that recently, and, and Milwaukee. That's right. <laughs> so yes. what brought you to that, though, man? What what brought, what brought you from being almost at the cusp of being like you know the next Puerto Rican boxing great? Like Hector Macho Camacho to being in service like that, man. You know, a couple people first, like I said, Shorty taught me what it means to serve others. Also my mom. So my mom, she, you know, I never heard my mom complain. My father didn't send us any money. My mom worked two and sometimes three jobs to support the family. My sister was addicted to drugs. She would have boyfriends sometimes with similar challenges with mental illness and addiction. And my mom, I saw my mom essentially be those individuals. Case managers would make sure they would take their medications and make sure they had food and would feed them and clothes on their backs. And my mom did so much for so many people. So I always saw that, that servant leadership in her as well. So I gravitated to want to serve. And then with my sister, with her mental health background. I was always interested in that field. So I started off as a mental health clinician. I have a master's degree in occupational therapy. I, But within three months, I became the assistant director of that program. And I've pretty much been in management and leadership all of my career. Before joining LSS, I was the director for health and human services from Milwaukee County. That was a really big job, $330 million budget. It oversaw a psychiatric hospital, juvenile justice, housing, disability services. And it really grew in humility and leadership in that role. And then from the visibility of that role, I was tapped on the shoulder to come to LSS. And I know I know from our business rumble, I know the answer already because we spoke about it. Did you help your sister get clean? Is she clean? Absolutely. And and what, what the main reason for that was because when I had my daughter, Angelis, Maria Colón, who's 20 years old now, my mother told my, my sister, if you don't start taking your medications and adhering to treatment, you're not going to be able to see Angelis. And that's kind of what did it for her. And that's been 20 years and she's been pretty stable couple relapses within the 20 years, but nothing major that she wasn't too able to overcome quickly. So I'm very proud of her for, uh, for doing that, her temperance and her self-control and her love for Angelis and me to, to control her addictions and, and, and be more stable. Did you lead her away to, to Christ as well? or You know, my whole family... I- tried and everybody is you know they love jesus they love god and 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 you know um, maybe not as close as i am but but uh there any any relationships better than none right oh for sure absolutely (laughs) so i love this man this is talk to me about the five essential virtues how to write them down 
One, I only, I only have a degree in journalism. So this word is big. I only use one and two syllable words. Three, to try to impress women and people. Essential virtues for life and leadership. Okay, we got courage, humility, temperance, magnanimity, which I had to look up in a thesaurus, perseverance, and servant leadership. Yeah, so I learned those virtues in, in boxing, so courage. There's no greater fear than entering into that ring. I don't care if you're Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, or Hector Colon. You're going into that ring with fear, but it is the dedication, the determination, and discipline that gives you the confidence, that self-preparedness that gives you the confidence to enter into that ring. And then there's nothing like having those hands raised in triumph once you won, because you know you work so hard to achieve your goal. So when you think about that virtue, how about getting in into the, the ring of life or getting into new leadership positions or getting into the boardroom? So it taught me that I can do all of that. I just need to be dedicated, determined, and disciplined. So for me, I've been advanced to roles that probably I wasn't qualified to have, for example, I was the director for economic development for WIDA. WIDA is the second largest bank by way of assets in the state of Wisconsin. At the time, I have a master's degree in occupational therapy. I didn't have a finance background, an MBA, or a business background. And yet, I was leading the second largest bank by, the way, uh, by way of assets in the state of Wisconsin and did a really good job. But I immersed myself into the industry. I, I read the books. I took courses. I, I got mentors. And, you know, I worked really hard. So that virtue of courage gave me the ability to take on that risk. Well, what people don't understand is you have to have courage, man, to start. You have to have courage to do something different. People are just so used to being in their, oh, I don't, you know, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of everything. Without courage, man, there's no possibility in the business world, personal life. Well, I, I don't know if I can ask her out. She might say no. Or what if yeah. the second date's horrible? What if the third date? Absence of courage, though, to me, is one of the reasons why everybody's just like, so many people are stuck instead of just like, you know, hey, suck it up, breathe in confidence, breathe out weakness. And hit it. And yeah, trust me, when it comes to boxing, you don't have to be a, a heavyweight and go up against Evander Holyfield or, or Iron Mike, man. I, right. Any just way back my days in college, I tried it for fitness. And it was funny because and he was an ex gold glove and we were doing it. We were sparring and it was his reaction. He I accidentally hit him below the belt and he knocked me the F out. And I thought. Yeah. But it was it was funny because it was always that question. I'm like, how is that possible? Because you know, you being in fraternity, plenty of fights, nothing. But yeah, you you can literally punch somebody that hard to knock some sense in them. Definitely. So yeah, I call courage the first of all virtues because it makes all other virtues possible. And if there is no fear, there is no courage, right? So it's overcoming the fear and getting into that ring or getting into that boardroom, or getting into those opportunities. But again, then applying dedication, determination, and discipline, that self-preparedness to, to be successful in whatever endeavor you get into. You're going to laugh. It takes me courage just to do this. 
I'm an extreme introvert. So even before talking to you, yes, we've spoken before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, all these things are racing through my head. And yeah. Yeah, that's great. I wouldn't have known that from you. So thank you for yeah, you watch all those videos and all that, but before I always had to take a, a deep breath or being on someone else's podcast or being in live or on stage. I'm like, oh my gosh, how about if I stumble? How about if I do this? Yeah, man, you always have to have courage. And I'm sure even Evander Holyfield at his prime, Iron Mike, before getting knocked out by Buster Douglas and you still have to have some like doubt, man. You still, unless you're insane, we're human. Yeah. And especially absolutely. if, especially if you do fall like the Holy field, everybody falls, man, but you have to get back up and it takes courage to get back up. Mm-hmm. And most boxers, you know, will tell you, yeah, they have fear, man. The fear that they could lose fear that they could eat, get hurt fear that they could even die. So it's, it's part of the process and it's okay. It's okay to, have a little fear before a podcast like this, or have a little fear before a major keynote, or have a little fear before a major board meeting. That's all natural. It's part of the process, and but you keep working hard and, and do the best you can and, and be ready. So talk to me about humility. I, yeah. It's funny because in, in the Bible, it says humility, but yet, especially with Instagram and social media, we all want to be hashtag winning. We all want to pretend we're like Muhammad Ali, the quotes and acting like, you know, humility sometimes is checked into checked out a long time ago or, or the lack of it, the lack of empathy and the lack of humility. Yeah, I usually talk about humility within the context of the way the ancient philosophers and early Christians talked about it, which is really within the context of serving others. So it's not thinking less of yourself, but more of others. And again, I learned that with Shorty and how he spent so much time for me and wanted me to be a champion. And, you know, I'm winning championship titles and he's in the background just smiling as I'm getting all the accolades. And and so I really learned that virtue of humility with him. Also my mom. But yeah, then, then now... I learned about how Shorty empowered me to be a champion. And so I think about me as a leader, I'm trying to empower champions through my colleagues and through my organization. I'm trying to bring out the very best in them because when they do that, when I do that, they're going to be bringing out the best in others and in turn making a difference on the lives of the people we serve here at, at LSS. So vir- the virtue of humility, all these virtues are awesome, right? Every single one of them. I love the virtue of humility and, and magnanimity, maybe the best, but humility is is something that uh, we need more of in, in our world. Well, humility is even in the Bible when Jesus washed feet. I mean, you can't get any more humility than that, the son of God. And and another scripture that I love is Matthew 20, 28, where Jesus talks about, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life ransom for many. So here's our Lord and Savior, the, the Son of God. He didn't come in as ruler, as dictator, or as king. 
And, and yet we have 2 billion Christians in, in the world, places where his followers were persecuted, crucified, places where Jesus never stepped foot in. But because of that virtue of humility and the way he led and served, that's a powerful impact in this world. Amen. So we can learn from him, definitely. Definitely. That's that's something we can all learn. I have to ask, temperance means without vices, without drinking alcohol, correct? Well, it's self-control and restraint. And so temperance means moderation, actually. So you can have a beer, glass of wine, a couple... But be be moderate about it. Be careful about it because taken to the extreme, it could lead to something negative. And I learned temperance in the sport of boxing again. So before a fight, there's a lot of smash talking and you can't allow that to get to your head. You got to stay composed and tell yourself, I'm going to take care of that in the ring. Or when you're in the ring, and if you get hit, you can't just get mad and start retaliating retaliating without thinking, you got to stay composed and calm and tell yourself, how do I make sure that doesn't happen again? Or if you get hit with a low blow, and let's say the referee doesn't see it, you can't retaliate with a low blow because now the referee might see it and you could get disqualified. When I think about it, I think about uh, Riddick Bowl and Andrew Galata. Riddick Bowl, the heavyweight champion of the world, was losing against Andrew Galata. Riddick Bowe hit Andrew Galata with a low blow. Andrew Galata retaliated not once, not twice, but three times and was disqualified. Andrew Galata, the guy that his father killed himself, his mother was addicted to drugs. The guy was in an orphanage, grew up from humble beginnings with incredible odds stacked up against him. Could have been the heavyweight champion of the world if he would have had more temperance. And that loss led to depression and a lot of sadness in his life. So there are many times where we need to have that temperance and self-control, obviously not just in the boxing ring, but just in life. Completely, man. Completely. Now, here's the big word that you're going to have to help me out. I I know what it means. But just in case, I did have to look it up because this word I only possibly used on my SAT or ACT test. Magnanimity. Uh, magnanimity. So again, I'm going to talk about this virtue within the context of the way the ancient philosophers talked about it. And this is the virtue of really striving for greatness. Alexander Havar said that this is the virtue of personal excellence. And so again, I learned this in boxing. I kind of shared a little bit before about how daily habits, daily rituals, and daily routines of that plan of life you have to help you become a champion. When I was a boxer, nothing but the champion was ever good enough. There was a few years where I was ranked number two and number three, and that was horrible. You need, you want to be and need to be the champion. So that means you're up in the morning, you're eating right, you're 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 meditating, you're watching tapes of the greatest. All of all of what you're doing is preparing you to become a champion. So right now. I challenge people, are you being a champion for your spouse? Are you being a champion for your employer? Are you being a champion for your community? And you have to have a plan of life in order to bring out the best in you, which in turn will bring out the best in those that surround you. Because magnanimity is a personal excellence, 
But the more contemporary definitions talk about how this is generosity and impact towards others. And so it, it's a combination. The better you are, the, the more greatness you have, the more that's going to allow you to do something that's honorable and remarkable for others. Well, Hector, you would agree with this, right? The key to success is you wake up every day with the focus of being the best version, better than who you were the day before. Yep, that's right. right. You know, so many people want want to go for the knockout. So many people want to go for the grand slam. We're going with, instead of realizing that it's a process, success, weight loss, amazing marriage, relationships, business starts with day one and small incremental win after win after win. But with people is all, you know, they want to lose 50 pounds, but they don't realize you, you have to be focused on today. Yep. Do great. Wake up tomorrow. Same thing. But people are like, nah, man, I can't do it. It's, it's too much. I can't do it. And, yeah. but yeah, right. Just, just work on it. Just be, be the best version. Be, I know I, I pray and I meditate. I want to be the best version of Omar Madrano. And I know you look at your life. It's worked out great because you want to, you have that pursuit of just being in excellence, not only in being in service, but being in excellence. Yeah. And your point about trying to be better every day. So one suggestion to your listeners is do an examination of conscience at the end of the night and ask yourself, contemplate, review that day. You know, what did I do well today? Contemplate on that and appreciate that. And, and tell yourself that, uh, be grateful, and you want to do more of that, more of that good tomorrow. But then contemplate on maybe some mistakes you made or some things that you felt didn't go so well. And then try to go deep in, into the root of why maybe you reacted that way, you said something. It was not the outcome you really wanted. And Think about that, reflect on that, meditate on that, and then commit to yourself. You're not going to make that same mistake tomorrow. So that's a good way to summarize your day and to lead to the next day for better success. One of my favorite words, perseverance. That's about not giving up, champ. Remember, I learned that again from my coach. I lost my first fight and wanted to give up. And he said, come on, champ, you got natural abilities. You could become a champ, but you got to keep going. And then I lost my second fight and I really wanted to give up. And, you know, here, uh, like this intense fear you feel, then you lose. And then I started crying and I'm like, there's nothing fun about this. And he had this overwhelming confidence in me. He's like, come on, champ. I see your ability. You can become the champion. You got to keep at it, champ. I will help you, champ. Let's do this, champ. And again, the way he said it, so look, third time's a charm. I won that fight, became a seven-time national champion, competed all over the world with the United States national boxing team, favored to go to the Olympics. Man, I remember going to Poland, you know, with my own biases, by the way. I thought they were going to be racist because I was bullied by a racist kid, and I didn't learn that. I mean, I didn't experience that. I met the Polish president. I mean, they... They had good accommodations, man. They even gave us their blood soup, which I didn't like very much, but I was trying to be gracious and I eat it. 
They were so nice. I remember going to Russia during the Cold War and everybody said, don't go to Russia. They're terrible people. And man, I had one of the best times in my life in Russia. And we didn't even understand one another, but we had the, the greatest time. And I remember going to Barbados where uh, I thought I was poor, but I experienced true poverty. And I just got to, to appreciate what we have in these United States of America. All that diversity of perspective and, and backgrounds really shaped the person I am today. In addition to all those great virtues, I learned. But if I would have given up when I back back then, I would have never had this experience. Then on my life journey and up to different leadership roles and you know, I was passed up for a couple major CEO positions, two of which I thought I shouldn't have gotten. I felt a little discouraged, but then I started to, to doubt myself. Am I capable of becoming a CEO? Then I heard Shorty, that giant, that echo, don't be a quitter, champ. Come on, champ, don't be a quitter. And I kept moving forward, and here I am, president CEO. I sit on corporate boards. I'm a keynote speaker. And things are going great because I was willing not to give up. And the president and CEO of the Lutheran Social Services. I'm reading that because, man, to memorize all that, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. Now, this is the church, though, that that you found Christ, too, right? No, it's not. So, actually, I'm, I'm Catholic. And, and on my journey to become the CEO here... I actually almost withdrew my name midway through a six-month process because I learned that I would be the first non-Lutheran, non-pastor, non-Norwegian to run the organization at the time, 135 years. And honestly, I thought there's no way in hell they're going to hire me. But I was also fearful of rejection. But long story short, I shared my my thoughts with the HR consultant and the board chair. And they both encouraged me. They said, we love your background, your experience, your vision, and everything you've shared with us thus far. But you got to go through the full process to get the job. And, and so I did. Funny story, the very last, so many interviews and psychometric testing and psychologists. And, but the last interview, the Lutheran bishop was in the interview. And he said, so, Hector, what do you think about Martin Luther, the reformer? Mm-hmm. So here I am. I was like, oh, shit. How do I answer that? If I screw this up, I'm going to really mess up. And so I just spit back and I said, he was a great Catholic. What else can I tell you? Everybody laughed. And that, technically, me. he was. Be, and I got Catholic, the job. He was. He was. You're going to laugh because most people, you went for it. Most people, that's what my book and the podcast, most people, nah, man, I'm not. To me, I would say go for it because Lutheranism was the first. I mean, we're both Catholics, so we know yeah. it was Catholic, and then it was Martin Luther who created yeah. Lutheranism, and he, you know, the 400 pages or whatever yeah. on the Vatican. But but technically, you were right when you said he was a great Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's because you beat all those odds from the moment, you know, everything that you spoke about, you beat nuns. So, heck, man, not being from Wisconsin, not being... 610 and a Viking, not being Lutheran. I mean, that's the story of your life, man. You're an overcomer. You're an overachiever. You you had that job, man, right? When you put your application in. Absolutely. I, I learned how to fight, man. Uh, fight to the top. Yeah. 
man, that that that's that's the story. And I'm sure you're an you talk to kids about this, right? Oh, absolutely. I I feel part of my personal pasta. So I do keynote speaking, and I've done many of them across the country. And I really love it because I connect with people. People connect with these virtues and my story. They're very practical. They're very reasonable and very relatable. And so I just did one the other day and people loved it. And I love meeting people and and really touching them through these virtues. Now, any old school people, any boxing fans run into you and go, oh, my gosh, you're you're a Hector Golan. Or oh sure, yeah, right? Sometimes, you know, but the ones, yes, the ones I I don't know if you know Montel Griffin. He became a world champion. He's still a friend. We we keep in contact. Raul Marquez, he's a showtime commentator. We keep in contact. He's actually doing pretty well. You know, he's one of the ones that were more successful. And as a showtime commentator, he's doing very well professionally. So there are several of them that I keep in contact with. I'm also on the U.S. Olympic National Boxing Board as a way to give back to a sport that helped create the person that I remember, you know, they were flying us all over the world, giving us Adidas and and gear and and food. And and so I'm very appreciative of that. And I want to give back. Well, I I grew up on boxing. My grandfather would always... watching the pay-per-view events as, as as a little kid. I'm old school. So to me, it's boxing. There's no mixed martial arts. There's no Dana White. There's no... Yeah. And, you know, think about it, man. If it wasn't for boxing, the Cold War ended because of Rocky Balboa. Yeah. <laughs> tore down, up, tell, tear, tear down the wall when he beat Ivan Drago in, in Moscow. That's one of my favorite Rockies for sure. It is the favorite Rocky, yeah. You know, people don't really, Sylvester Stallone has a story like you, man, stubborn. And what I, I have to say to be successful, you have to be stubborn. Yeah. You you and him, stubborn. Nobody wanted him. <laughs> Everybody wanted that, that movie. And he's like, no, he was yeah. poor, had to sell that dog. He's like, no, and like, we'll give you more money. No, it's my movie. And awesome. he succeeded. But each movie, Rocky, has life lessons on success. Yeah on falling down, on getting up. You know, pe- people, oh, yeah, they, they laugh because Sylvester Stallone or they like to make the the accent or whatnot. But, man, the guy's a champion. The, the movies are about being a champion. You're a champion, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, and he was an underdog, and he rose and defeated all odds. So where do we get this book? Yeah, you can purchase it on the site at www dot champ institute.com or you can purchase it on amazon as well which is uh, my journey from boxing ring to boardroom five essential virtues uh, for life and leadership what's next hector are you just going to ride off to the sunset being the president and ceo or oh i love what i'm doing right now i want to continue to expand our reach you know through mergers and acquisitions and bring more generosity to the organization with with generous donors. So there's a lot to do here at LSS. I want to continue to serve on these corporate boards. I want to serve on the Nike board. That's I just uh, submitted formally my, my application. I hope they 
they respond to me, but I would love to serve on a board relating to sports. So that's a goal that I have right now. And then I want to I want to advance my keynote speaking and you know do one a month, you know, I charge uh, $15,000. And I'm happy, you know, and then I want to see my my kids and be successful, get married, love my wife and continue to give back to the community. And Hector, you know what? I'm all about deals. I I got to hear your story for free. <laughs> well, maybe you can uh, do an event and you can hire me as your keynote speaker. Well, you're going to laugh because I'm like you. I, I'm sure you've noticed in the world of personal and business development, there's not many guys like you and I, right? Latinos. Yes, yes. They don't believe in it. And I'm sick and tired of going to all these conferences and it's me and like a couple others. And right. I want not only I want want to see our people in the stands. I want to see them on stage. I want them to believe in personal development. So trust me, when I do have that, dude, you're you're one of the keynote speakers. Partner up though and and do something that we we joined so I don't have to pay you (laughs) (laughs) $15,000. Sounds good. But but yeah, man, I mean, always always dream big. You see people, either you're, you're growing which is living or you were tracking and you're dying, you have all the have these plans. Like if you had the next 300 years with you, you probably will. And you'll accomplish these things in only a couple of years, man. Because like that kid that that got his ass kicked by Adam, man, you mm-hmm. you got the hell back up and then you, you became his Freddy Krueger and you kept on kicking his ass, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But but just think Adam could have been like you know, some bar going, oh my God, that guy, he kicked my ass. No, I'm sure he was like, man, I used to pound that kid, man. I could have been a champion myself. Right, right. But again, (laughs) if I saw Adam, I'd hug him, man. I'd thank him. Of course, because you have love in your heart. That person that you talk about, revenge, that's how people operate with this bitterness, with resentment, with anger, with jealousy. That's like a cancer, man. Whoever right. did you wrong, forgive them. Not not for them, but forgive them for them. But for you, your own peace of mind. How how can you say you're Catholic? You have a hit list. I hate this person. I hate this person. No, man. Let it all go, brother. That's right. Don't you want people? Is, is there a way to to get contact with the Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin? You guys need, yes. need people to donate. Please, yes. So www.lsswis.org. That's our website. You can, we have a place to donate there or ways to contact me to learn more about our mission and what we're trying to accomplish. You know, we, we serve individuals with incredible odds stacked up against them. A child in crisis who has nowhere to go, a family in turmoil that might be facing eviction someone struggling with addiction or severe persistent mental illness, an elderly person or a person with disability that needs just a little bit of help to live independently or successfully in the community, or that refugee that's fleeing from war and persecution. We serve these individuals about 30,000 on an annual basis, 95% of which indicate that we have improved their quality of life. So we'd be honored for you to Join the LSS family as a donor, as a partner, as a friend. Well, you know what? 
It's just like your life story, brother. Everybody falls, man. There's the ebb and flow in life. Yeah. No judgment. Everybody needs help, man. I've been at times where I've only had 23 cents in my bank account. I've been at times where credit card debt, whatnot. So don't come from a place of judgment. Come from help. Pick up that person. You want to start changing the world? Change it within here, man. Change it within your heart. Be in service. Don't say you're Christian. Act. Actions speak louder than words, right? Yes. Christ-like is what being a Christian means. Because, you know, we can say, oh, I'm Catholic and I had all the sacraments. But what do I do? Nothing. <laughs> I, I go to Matt. I'm just giving an example. I don't want to. Right. No, no, no. I don't. <laughs> all right. Brother, you know, it's crazy with you. I can talk to you just like that business rumble, just like that time on Instagram. We connect. We're like-minded people. Except for the simple fact I have 0.0 athletic ability. I, yeah. I tried as a kid. I do it now by vicariously lifting weights. Right. But I, I'm last in CrossFit, but I still do it. But we connect because we're like-minded souls. We just want to see a better world. We want to see happiness. We want to see people excelling. Yeah. So thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for, for doing this because you're imparting a lot of wisdom into the universe that will be helpful to help people grow in their leadership and humility. Whenever I'm in Wisconsin, there's always a first. I'm going to you up, man. And Absolutely. we're going to be on those stages together. That That's, um, that's a promise. And I, I'm going to email your assistant my cell phone if you ever have any questions or thank you anything brother god bless both of us we're alive we're healthy we're well we're thriving thank you thank you for the opportunity and i didn't have to pay fifteen thousand dollars to hear you speak <laughs> so win-win all right hey, best you. of luck hey, all right you. likewise bye-bye what if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work?